It's good to see everybody tonight. If you came to hear a preacher, you messed up. I gave a lesson one time. My mom was there and uh, got through and a little while she said, you did good. She said, it seemed kind of more like a class instead of a sermon. So I said, well, that, that's okay. I think I do more teaching, but this is a job up here, and uh, we're blessed. Spencer does a good job of filling this role. I'm just a fill-in tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, the verses that were read, uh, read just a minute ago, will be our text tonight. Got some other scripture to throw in there. You know, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, necessarily. Most people would uh, guess that it's Paul. Can't know for sure, I guess, and there's a lot of things out there, but uh, this is one of the passages that, to me, is a kind of a proof text that it could be Paul, because Paul here is speaking about a race. He's speaking about, he's speaking about a Christian race. He's likening it to the Christian life, but he's using an actual race as a, kind of a starting point. That's what we're going to do tonight. You know, uh, Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 24, he said something similar. He said, do you not know that they which run in a race run all? But one receives the prize. So run that you may attain. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Um, it's possible that uh, Paul didn't grow up thinking about races. It was not really a part of the Hebrew life. And yet he was half Roman. And when he went to Corinth, he was very close to something like our Olympic Games, the Isthmian Games. Kind of hard to say, the Isthmian Games. And that was like the biggest ticket in those days. And it was very similar, again, to what we see as the Olympics, which comes every four years. These were every two years. And it was a big deal. And they had races and they had fights and... and uh, as we just read, he talks about racing and running. He also talks about fighting. This was a kind of a, a topic that he used more often than just this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things are which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. And then in 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to those who love his appearing. These are verses dealing with racing. These are encouragements that he gives based on the race. And, and so tonight we want to look at that in the form of uh, Paul, or the, the author of Hebrews, talking to us about the Christian race that we're all a part of, hopefully. What does that look like? We have three points that we want to give you tonight, and then we'll be through. The first point that I want to say is, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I've kind of broken it down into three areas, this first point. Let us lay aside every weight. This really, when you get down to it, 
is basically talking about anything that would hinder that runner, anything that would keep him from doing his best at running that race. And so we, in our minds, as we think of racing, um, we think of things related. And, and this is almost talking about even to the point of just removing your clothes if you need to. You know, in those days they had flowing robes and they might have layers of clothing. Not the best thing to run in. A common uh, a phrase that we see in the Bible, and at least in the King James Version, is gird up your loins. What that means is your long flowing robes, you pull those up and you may tuck them in your belt or you tie that belt tight around them so that you can move faster. We studied in our Sunday school class this morning about, ah, uh, about Ahab and about Elijah and about what happened on Mount Carmel. And, and when the rain came, it says that Elijah girded up his loins and he ran down the mountain. When we think about our Christian walk, we've got to remove some things that, that get in the way. You know, I ran track in high school. Uh, I was pretty mediocre, just average. I didn't even like it, and here I am giving a lesson about track, like it's some great thing. But one of the things that, that you'd notice that goes along with this, if you've ever put on a track uniform, everything is built light. I mean, there's almost nothing to it. You look at the pants and the shirts that are worn. Look at the people in the Olympics next time. I mean, there, there is really no weight there at all. And uh, uh, just the other day, I was digging through some old things, and I pulled out a pair of uh, uh, track shoes that I had bought my junior year, and then I didn't even run my senior year. So they still look brand new. But it's amazing how light they are. Light on your feet. Get rid of that weight. What he's really talking about here in the context of living a Christian life is getting rid of the weight that is around us on a daily basis. What kind of weight can we get rid of that's bogging you down? What's getting in the way of your running a really good Christian race? What's getting in the way of you being pleasing to God and kind of keeping you from doing your best? You know, there's a lot of things in this world that pull at our attention. We, we live in a physical world. We're physical beings. We're pulled toward those things naturally. You know, they're not all bad in and of themselves. We all have to work, don't we? We have to work. We have to take care of our family. We have to take care of our yard. We may want things in life. Some of these things that we have to do to keep going through this life, some of these things we can just make excuses for and we put them in the category, I need that, when in fact we don't always need that. One of the points that I wanted to make here is not about a race, but it, it's about something that I experienced, and it's called Wilderness Trek. Has anybody in here ever gone to Wilderness Trek? There's got to be a handful here. A handful, three, four, anyway. Wilderness Trek. And so what you do is you go to Colorado, and they give you everything you need to go up on a mountain and live for five days. And that's all you get. So what are you going to put in that backpack? Well, if you're not careful, you get to thinking, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. And especially the first time, I've been twice, the first time you go, there's a lot of things you think you need, when in reality, they just weigh you down. And when you put that backpack on, there's a lot of weight there. 
Then you go back and you start looking, maybe I don't need that. Maybe I don't need that. Maybe I could get by without that. And pretty soon you get it to where maybe you can manage it. And then another thing that goes along with this is as you, one of the things that maybe to me one of the best experiences and one of the best learning teaching tools that they have is everybody carrying their own weight up that mountain. And yet sometimes some are stronger than others, some are weaker than others. And so sometimes you have to stop because somebody's not able to carry that weight all the way. And what you do is you take some things out of there and you redistribute to those who can bear up. A great lesson for Christians. Bearing up and helping one another with the weight. Now there's a lot of weight that comes along in life by itself without adding to it. There's a lot of weight that we have to deal with that it's just going to come along. And so the thing that we have to do in our Christian race is to try and decide every day what weight we're going to pick up and what weight we're going to leave behind. And those are decisions that we individually have to make. And again, there's this weight that comes along with just living this life. We've seen it this week. We have some here who have a heavier weight. We have seen this week people try to help with that weight. Um, there's a weight to life itself. We can't eliminate all that weight along the way. But what we can do is be ready to help when we see a weight that's too heavy. Get rid of the weight. And then he says, get rid of the sin that so, does so easily beset us. Sin that does so easily beset us. There's a lot of things that can come into this world. You know, in 1 John he talks about there's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of the life. All these things, these are the categories. Everything falls under those. We can be running that race and, and, and all of a sudden we stumble. Sin can get in our way. We've got to watch that. But the part I wanted to kind of address in regards to that is don't let that weight continue to carry you and pull you down when you don't have to. Give that weight to God. If there's sin in your life, get rid of that weight. Drop it and leave it. And then move on. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we just keep carrying that weight of old sin around with us when we don't have to and we shouldn't and, and, and it, it shouldn't be there. Philippians 3 that we read a while ago. He says, forgetting those things that are behind. We need to leave those behind us. The race is in front of us. Keep moving forward. If you fall, you get up and you go again. Don't worry about that past. You worry about what's coming. Run the race. Leave the weight behind. The other part of that point is patience. We need to know that this race is not a sprint. The Christian race for most of us is just not a sprint. It's not going to be a sprint. We kind of have to pace ourselves along the way because we're living a daily life for Christ. We're living in this world. Again, this world bombards us. Things come and go in our life. We need to be patient with the race we're running so that we can stay through till the end. 
we also need to be patient with ourselves as we go along because, you know, the, uh, the Christian race is it's more like a walk, a daily walk with God. It's a, it's a constant thing. It's something that you build on. It's not something that you just jump in and you're on fire and then you're done with it, hopefully. It's something that you take and you grow with it. When we think of the Christian walk, I think of like Noah in the Old Testament. It says that Noah was a man who walked with God. Noah, one good example is, God said, I want you to build an ark. Well, that's not going to happen in a day. In fact, it didn't happen in two days. It didn't happen in a year. and It, didn't. it was 120 years. Man had to be patient to do that, didn't he? Can you imagine after 10 years of working on the ark and you look at it and you're like, this is it, this is all I've got? Most of us can get frustrated with things of that nature. We need to be careful that we don't put too much weight on ourselves when it comes to this. We allow ourselves to be patient. We don't all become mature Christians overnight. In fact, what we call new Christians, we call them babes in Christ, don't we? It takes a little time. 2 Peter chapter 1 and 5 says, Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. To patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. But the key word is add. Add them as you go. Work on it as you go. You don't have to perfect all that at once. You just need to be working on it. Moving forward, one step at a time. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13 tells us, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, full-grown man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while. We never reach that perfect spot, but God's going to help us with what we still need. Live your life as a building block day after day after day. You know, the really good runners, and I think of running as a distance run, really, when I really relate this, because it takes a while, and it's a patient race. And you just have to build it up into where you can just move along, and you keep moving, and those guys just keep running all day and all day. That's how our life should be for God. Just a steady moving forward as we live for Him. There was a lady years ago, at a church where I attended, and her name was Mama Greer. She was an elderly lady. She was really good at encouraging people through pie ministry. She had so many pie plates, and they were always out in the community. And she would just bake a pie and leave it on your step if you weren't home. But you knew where it came from. And she was that type of person, and she was so kind in, in so many ways. And a lady told her one day, a younger lady, she said, Mama Greer, she said, when I get old, I want to be like you. You know what Mama Greer said? She didn't say, well, that's fine, honey. Well, okay. She said, you need to start being that now. She said, if you want to be that when you're old, you need to start being that now. Great advice. What kind of a Christian do you want to be 
at the end of your life. You need to start being that now. Don't wait. Don't think someday I'm going to be this great, smart, know the Bible, Christian, and, and good forever. Do it now. And someday you will be. It's one step at a time. It's a patient, patient race as we move through this life trying to please God. Second point, our motivation. I needed a lot of motivation when I was running. My motivation when I was running track was I wanted to play basketball. And if you didn't run track, you couldn't play basketball. So that's basically the only reason I ran. We need more, we need more motivation than that, but it's found here. The motivation that we need, is says, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. One of the dangers of running a long race is getting tired. One of, the, one of the things that goes with it, and they tell me, I've never ran far, far enough, but they say you can run past the pain. I always quit when I felt the pain. I was done. They say you can run past the pain. Our Christian life needs to be that way. There's going to be pain. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be some things that come. We need to run past that pain. Now, A lot of times the natural thing is when we feel the pain, we're done. I don't want any more. What is our motivation? Our motivation is Jesus Christ. He felt the pain, didn't he? Jesus felt all the pain, and he, and he felt it for us. He didn't have to do that. It says that he despised the shame, and he endured the cross. He did it for you, and he did it for me. And when we get to feeling a little bit bad about what we have to do for him in our Christian walk, we need to think about him. We need to think about that motivation. We need to see how he ran through the pain, how he continued forward, because he had a reason for doing that. He had his eye on another prize. We've got to keep our eye on the prize. It says, for Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured that. And then he got to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Great verses that go along with that are in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 the whole chapter talks about the mind of Christ and what it's like to have the mind of Christ. And it talks about Jesus coming to earth, leaving heaven, being equal with God, becoming a human being, becoming a human baby, living in the flesh, and living as a servant. Why did he do that? It says he was even obedient unto death, the death of the cross. He did that because in verse 9 it says, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He ran the race and he went through the pain and he finished the race 
because he could see the prize that was in front of him. He could see the joy that would come from being back with his father. He could see the joy that would come from knowing that he had clinched salvation for so many people. The joy of knowing that so many people would spend eternity with he and the Father in heaven because of what he had done, the race that he had run. The joy of being in in that power, that exalted place once again. And the promise is to us too. The promise is to us that if we run that race, if we run through the pain, if we continue and, and we go to the end, He's got that prize, and, and it's sitting there for us. We talked about in, uh, I believe it was the, the, we read in Timothy a while ago, that crown of righteousness. When I was running track, I ran hurdles one year. They decided I needed to run high hurdles. I was always, I was always short until I got like in the 10th grade and I started growing, and of course, I couldn't run high hurdles when I was short. I couldn't hardly get over them. But when I got longer legs, they said, why don't you try high hurdles? And so I, I was not very good at that either. I got better, but I wasn't very good. And I remember one track meet, we're always running to that finish line. And I tripped over the last hurdle. And I fell a long way. But I ended up stopping. And when I looked up, there's that chalk line right in front of my nose. The finish line was right there, and I didn't make it. But the next time I did, and the next time I did, we have to keep trying. We have to make it to the finish line. We have to see what the end result will be as we live our lives, and we can only look to Jesus Christ for the motivation that we need to continue. He should be our motivation. And then the final point, we go back to the first part of verse 1. He says, we, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I love this part. We have this great crowd of witnesses. I can remember watching the Olympics. Um, this has been years ago. I was probably a teenager. And um, when I think about this race, I think about this one particular moment. And I was watching on TV, and they and they run this big marathon race, and it's, it's not in the stadium. They don't just run around the circle, circle, circle. They, they go out, and they go out into the streets, and they go up and down hills, signifying, if you think about it, our life. Our life is hills and valleys, isn't it? Peaks and valleys. We never stay on top of the hill all the time. Sometimes there's valleys, and then sometimes we can come back up out of those. But the neat thing is that all along the way, there's people out there lining the streets and they're cheering them on. Really doesn't matter who they are, they're just cheering them on. Run a good race. Keep going. Here's some water. Here's some fruit. Keep going. And they run and they run and they finally come back to the stadium. And they come through the entrance under the stadium. And as they come through into the stadium, Here's thousands and thousands and thousands of people stacked up, waiting and cheering. As they come in and they make that lap around the stadium, which was a victory lap, even for the ones who didn't win. Everybody that finished, it's a victory lap, and everybody was applauded. And so when I think of this great cloud of witnesses, 
I think of people cheering us on in our Christian race. I think of all this great cloud of witnesses. Who are those people? Who's cheering you on in your Christian race? Can you think of somebody? Could it be somebody from your past? It could and should be people that you're sitting next to right now or across the room from. We should all be cheering each other on. I receive a lot of encouragement from this group of people. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Makes me want to do more. Everyone sitting here may not preach a lesson. You may not teach a class. You may not go on a mission trip. But you can encourage somebody. Easy, easy thing to do, but it's so important as we live our lives. A great cloud of witnesses. Think about who got you here. I don't mean tonight. Who got you where you are as a Christian? Where did that road start? Who was there from the beginning? My earliest memory of Sunday school class was sitting in a, I don't know, some of you, most of you have been in little churches before this, we don't, if you can imagine though, they had the, they had the pulpit, I mean, and they had the baptistry behind it, that's standard Church of Christ, and then they have a little dressing room on either side. So my first class that I actually can remember being in was sitting in the little dressing room with an elder's wife, and she was teaching the Bible. Can you remember? Who first taught you the Bible? Can you remember people from your past who have been an influence on you? You know, as I recall that, I, I didn't have any grand illusions that day. She was just teaching me the Bible. But she taught me many more times before I left that congregation. And I always think kindly of her. I mowed the churchyard different times. It was small. I was small. It was in a different time and place, but you know, I did it because my dad told me to, and he was the preacher. But one day, I can still remember this elder driving up his pickup truck. He said, come here. I went over to his truck, and he rolled down his window, handed me a silver dollar. Thanks for mowing the churchyard. That was a big, big deal to me. And it was kind of a big amount of money in those days. That was a great encouragement. It's a small thing, but a great encouragement. Can you be an encourager? Have you helped someone along the way? Who has helped you? You know, I see, as I think about this, I, I picture these people, and they're gone now. But I picture them rooting for me. There are people I can go see right now and they encourage me in my Christian walk. 
Do you know people that every time you see them you feel better because of their encouragement and how they want to make you feel? Man, that's, that's something good to be. I think of that, these type of people, when I think of this crowd of witnesses, this cloud of witnesses that's around us. I think of some of these uh, heroes of faith that we find in the chapter just before this, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham and Noah, and, and they don't know me, but you know what? I believe that they're pulling for me. They knew the importance of living a godly life, and, and they lived their life, and it's recorded for me. And in a sense, they're doing it for me. They're pulling for me. They're encouraging me with the example they left. Now, I don't think people look down from heaven and know what we're doing. Because I don't think if they did, they'd have a hard time being happy sometimes. I think God takes care of those things. But I think that the influence that those people have on us is kind of what helps us to be where we're at and kind of keeps us going sometimes. I think of the prophets and the writers of the Bible. First Peter, First Peter chapter uh, 1. Verses 10 through 12. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come to you, searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The prophets of old wrote about the coming of Christ, and they wrote about salvation. And they were only allowed to write what God told them to write, and they were only allowed to see a, a little part of that. And they were so concerned with trying to find out more about that and what that looked like, and even who those people would be that would benefit from their writings and from the blessing that God was going to bestow that they were writing about. They were interested in your Christianity. Do you think now, as they look back, if they could look back, they would be cheering for you? As much work as they put in, as much thought as they had, as important as they know it is now, would they be cheering for you? Are they in that cloud of witnesses? What about the angels? The angels, they're even desirous to see us do good. We're running a race. What does that look like? We're all human. We all make mistakes. Pick it up and leave them behind. Do better tomorrow. We all have weight. We all have things we have to deal with. Make good decisions. Eliminate as much as you can and keep moving forward. Keep the end goal in mind. Where we're going is way better than where we are. If we could only see it, if we could only know what we're shooting for, I think it would help. We've got to keep that in mind. Be patient with yourself. Do the best you can. Work on doing better tomorrow. Think about those who have helped you along the way. Live for them and live for Christ because he is our ultimate example.
He died so that you could live. Most of you here have been a part of that race for a good little while. I hope that there's been some encouragement from listening to this, and I hope that uh, you can maybe take some of this home with you. If you haven't begun that race, you need to get in it. You can't really start the race until you come to Christ and you become a Christian. And if you've been thinking about that, this is an excellent opportunity. You need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You need to have the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you along the way. And you need to start making that walk. You need to repent and change from the life that you've been living and leave that old stuff behind and move forward. If you've been in the race and the pain got too, too hard and you, and you gave up, you need to get back after it. You need to go again, fight through the pain, remain till the end. If you have any needs, we ask that you come while we stand and sing.